All right, time for the kids to come on up front. Have a seat over here. If you're a fifth grade or so and under, you're welcome to join us up here. Feel free to bring somebody along with you if you'd like. Everyone's looking good this morning. Come on up, find somewhere to sit. All right, good to see everyone. Okay, now if you think back, remember last week we began uh, preaching through a series in the book of Genesis, right? Who remembers what the word Genesis means? What does it mean? Beginnings. Good, beginnings, yeah, origins, the beginnings, the start of things, right? And so we also talked about the first three words in the Bible. Who remembers the first three words in the Bible? Go ahead, Mia. In the, or Carly, I'm sorry. In the beginning, that's right. In the beginning, right? And so Genesis is a book about beginnings, all things beginning, right? Now, can anyone quote the entire first verse of the Bible? Can anyone do that for us? Aiden? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Good job. All right, way to go. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we're going to think about that in a little bit more detail, right? So first, in the beginning, God, right? God. So before anything else existed, God was always there, right? There was God. He was there before anything else. Do you ever just stop and think about God? Just think about who He is and what's true about Him and what He's like and try to get to know Him more that way? Who is God, right? And so God is beyond our full understanding. We can't fully understand all of who God is, and it's good for us to just think about that and to think it over. Who is this great one that we call God? And so God was there in the beginning before anything else. He was there. He was always there. God is eternal, right? He had no beginning, and he'll have no end. He's always existed. So in the beginning, God created. Do you know what the word create means? Do you know? The heavens and the earth. Yes, that's exactly what he created. Good. So God created those. He created, he made something out of nothing that was there before, right? So God created out of, he made something out of nothing. So God started with absolutely nothing, right? He didn't have any boards to build from or nails or screws. He just created from nothing. And do you know how he did it? How did God create from nothing? His voice. Yeah, with his voice, he just spoke and it was there, right? God spoke things into existence. Existence. Whatever God said, it became, right? That's how he created. Now, is this something that you can do? No, nobody can do that except for God, right? Only God could do that, could just speak and something comes into existence. Only God could do that. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the whole universe with all the billions of galaxies and all the billions of stars and all the planets and the sun and the moon. God created all that, everything we look up in the the sky at night and see, and all that beyond what we can see. And He created the earth and all things that live on the earth, all this earth that we live on, God created that as well. He created all the land and the water and the plants and the animals and people and 
all that stuff. God created that all. So in other words, God created the heavens and the earth, but God created all things, didn't he? God created all things. All things were created by God. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created all things. And do you know why we can believe that that's true? We can believe it's true. Why can we believe that's true? Because the Bible says it is. Yeah, because God said it in his word, right? So if God says it, we believe it. It's that simple, right? If we know who God is, he said it. God is trustworthy. His word is true. And so if God says it, we believe it and we live accordingly. And so we're going to do that. So thanks, everyone, for coming up. You can go back and have a seat. So for those of you who are newer here, one of the things we encourage our, our congregation at three feet and under to remain in here with us, which sometimes creates some disturbances, they're small children to remain in the service. They're, we'll talk about it later. Um, and uh, so if they're loud or whatever, I, I'd encourage you, if you want to, you can ask a parent if you can help them. Uh, parents, don't be afraid. You can take your child out and teach and instruct and discipline if necessary, but we want to encourage our children in here. We are in the book of Genesis, as Pastor Jeff said, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. Last week I did a somewhat overview of the book, and now we're going to start going through the entirety of it. Uh, next week, we'll take the full creation account, verses 3 to the end of the chapter. This week, we're just hitting the first two, which are sort of introductory verses. Today, we'll see God who made all things. We'll see the initial state of the earth prior to God creating and ordering it during six days, and it is a wonder. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Let's pray. Father, our soul clings to you. Give us life according to your word. And make us to understand the way of your precepts. Help us to meditate on your wondrous works. Put false ways far from us and graciously teach us your law. And we want to run in the way of your commandments, but you must enlarge our hearts. And so we ask for your mercy now and by your spirit in your name of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. What I would like to do is actually begin with a little bit of instruction on what preaching is, and then uh, by way of helping you to understand why preach these verses like I'm going to do. But first, just notice, Pastor Jeff drew it out. In verse 1, it begins with God. Okay? That's going to be the foundation of everything I want to get to you today. This book is about God. The Bible begins with God, and that should key you into why you're here. You're, you are to be about God. Everything in your life is to be about God, for God, for His glory, to trust Him and obey Him, to love Him with all that you are, you are here for God. All right, so with that said, 
keeping your finger in Genesis 1, flip to the New Testament, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the clearest explanation of what preaching is and what preaching is for. Right after Paul tells us what God's Word is, God's Word is breathed out by him in 3.16. That means uh, the Spirit of God actually, through men, inspired his Word, every word of it. And so we take this book, these 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, in the original writings, every word of it is God's. It is eternal. It is true. It is without error. And Paul charges pastors in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is going to judge us by his appearing, by his kingdom, preach the word. This eternally inspired, unfailing, never going away word, preach it. Be ready in season, out of season. Now here are uh, five descriptors of preaching. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So what is preaching for? Preaching is to do something to your conscience. It's not merely to fill your mind with new data. It's, it's not mainly teaching. It, it, it is to do something to your conscience. It is to bring the eternally true Word of God to bear on your life, your real life that you lived this past week or this past month or this past year or this past decade. It is to bring the truth of God's word as a sword piercing you through. It, it is to bring conviction. It is to reprove you. It is to rebuke you. It is to exhort you with patience and teaching. So I'm supposed to take Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and use it to reprove you, to exhort you, and to rebuke you. That's why you're here. Now, some of you, that might be new, the temptation is verse 3. We don't want that. None of you want that. Don't lie. If I were to ask you, do you want that? All of you good Christians would say, yeah, we want that, and you're lying. And I'd be lying too. You don't want that. We, we want to be um, flattered. That's what we want. We, we want to be told how good we are and how good it's all going to be and all that kind of rubbish. And Paul says the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They won't endure reprove, rebuking, and exhorting. But having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and they'll wander off from the truth into myths. So that's what I want to do with Genesis 1. That's what I want to do throughout this entire book. I'm not going to fill your head with um, answers in Genesis data. Right? I don't want to flatter you with that. I want to bring the truth of what we read in Genesis 1 to bear on your life. Proverbs 20.30 says this, Blows that wound cleanse from evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. We're in a ring, we got gloves on, 
and blows that wound is what we should expect in this text. So Genesis 1, back to there. So that's preaching. That's what you're here for. Uh, now, many of you have been in the church your entire lives, and this kind of understanding of preaching, this very plainly biblical kind of preaching has fallen on hard times, and that's mainly because of the seminaries. They don't teach you to do that in seminary. They teach you to sound really smart and wow people with your depth of understanding. They teach you to fill people's heads with all kinds of really cool facts so you can get big heads and the pastor can get a bigger head and everybody continues on in their sin without ever being reproved or rebuked or exhorted. And then you come to a church where that actually happens and you find it strange and it shouldn't be. All right, so I don't, we're going to run out of time if I keep doing this. So back to Genesis 1. It begins with God. And if I want to apply that to your conscience, I want to do it in two ways today. God created the heavens and the earth. And um, everything in this world we know is telling us about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Everything that you see around you has been created by God, spoken into existence so that you can constantly see revelation about God. That you can constantly see in everything, every snowflake, Every temperature reading, every tree, every human, everything built, wow, God. And we can praise him and thank him. And you don't do that, do you? How much this entire past week did you drive to work beholding the wonders of God and feel that? You didn't, did you? You went whole days without acknowledging there is a God in the heavens who spoke and this came forth. We ignore him. We remain silent. We don't give him thanks. Romans 1, commenting on this, says that we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. Verse 20 says, His invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made, right? God's making himself known in things that have been made. But even though we knew God, we did not honor God, we did not give him thanks. Creation is here for our gratitude. Now, you've been trained probably to give thanks before your meals, maybe. But this world exists for you to enjoy God, to open your mouths and give him glory for what he's made, to be constantly expressing how great he is, and we won't do that. We won't do that. So that's one thing I want to get at in this sermon. How little you are mindful of God. How little you make this thing about everything that you see about God. Second, in the beginning, God. We said this last week. This Bible, this world is about God. It is about his glory. It is for his praise. And you and I are so focused on our importance. In our age, the greatest thing you can be is all about you. We are narcissistic to the core. 
me, 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 all day long. We cannot get over ourselves. We cannot get over ourselves. See this in preaching, not inconsistently. A pastor preaches something, it bothers you, and it's all about you. It's all about you. But I want this, but I want this. It's all about you. You can't get over it. You don't hear another thing in the sermon when one thing troubles you. It's so all about you. You hear this in the singing constantly in the church. Oh, I don't like hymns. <laughs> no, I don't like the new music. We're just so narcissistic, aren't we? In the beginning, God, and you can't get over you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and all you can see is this. It's just me. You're just all inside of yourself. It's, you're so self-important. Everybody around you exists to make sure that you have the comfort and peace that you deserve. And if they don't, whew. and you come to the Bible, and in the first four words, a stake is driven through your narcissistic heart. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So, keeping that in mind, that we don't enjoy God as we ought in this world, that we don't give him thanks, that we do not express to others the glory of God in all of his wondrous creation, big and small. And that we are very selfishly bent on me, constantly offended. Isn't our world a, a world where people are constantly offended? Oh, it's so... But it's me. It's me. It's you. And it's supposed to be all about God. So keeping that in mind, let me just walk through these two verses... Let's, let's see what's in these verses. Kind of phrase by phrase. First, let me start kind of structural level, higher level. As I said, it begins with God. He created the heavens and the earth. That means everything. It's a merism. It's giving you two opposite ends and trying to communicate to you everything. It, Hebrew really doesn't have a word for everything. So Hebrew is doing this all the time, giving you two opposite extremes to show you the totality of it. God created everything. So verse 1 starts kind of grand, universe scale, all things created by God, everything, big. And then verse 2 narrows you down to earth, right? Verse 1 is big, God created everything. And then verse 2, the earth, right, narrows the focus from universe right to earth. And then, of course, setting you up for the rest of the chapter of the creation of the earth. Verse 1, subject verb, God created. Verse 2, three phrases that describe the initial condition of the earth. And it leaves us in verse 2 with great anticipation. God created the heavens and the earth. Then in verse 2, the earth gets you down to our place, our locality. And then the earth was formless, and void, 
darkness over the face of the deep. And then third, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water, right? There's anticipation there. This uncreated, unformed, trackless wasteland kind of earth and God's spirit is there moving. There's some things about to happen. Some great power is about to be unleashed. So verse two just leaves you on the, should leave you kind of on the edge of your seat. What's going to happen? Getting you ready for verses three to the end of the chapter. And verse three, this starts with this amazing, and God said. <laughs> right. The power present is a eternally omnipotent voice that's about to speak with created, creative, sustaining power. So that's the overview. We get this somber tone in verse 2. It's without form. It's void. It's dark, but leaves you with God's spirit moving. That word hovering isn't, is helpful, but it, it, it's more than just hovering. It's moving. There's a creative emphasis here. So, uh, phrase by phrase, in the beginning, nothing before God, the Bible consistently wants you to think beginning and already see it's pregnant with the end. Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that have been done, my purse established, I will accomplish my good pleasure, right? Commenting on Genesis 1, declaring the end from the beginning, that in the beginning already tells you what? There's going to be an ending. It's already setting you up for revelation here in the first three verses, right? There's no beginning without an ending. God is the alpha, and here's the alpha part. There's an omega part. He's everything. He's been before everything. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel whom I called, I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. There is no God but him. He is before all things, and he will be always after all things. And then John 1, as Dennis Elder read, taking these words and applying them to Christ, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So you can preach the gospel right there. There's Christ. Your Savior is the eternal God. In the beginning, God created. That word created is mega. The subject, this word in the Hebrew, the subject is always God. God alone creates. Man might make things. Man might build things. Man might fashion things, man might assemble things, but only God creates. Only God can bring forth something out of nothing. And that word created then becomes the summary of all that is to follow. God is going to be doing this three times. In fact, this word actually punctuates the text three times. We'll get there later. But So in the beginning, God created. The word God here is the most important word in Genesis 1 and throughout the whole Bible. 35 times in the creation account this word is used. 35 times. It's about God. He created the heavens and the earth. We already said that means everything. And then we have these three descriptions about the earth. Formless and void. Right? It brings us down to the earth. But the earth was empty. It was without order. 
was a wasteland. God created the earth, and yet he had yet to create a place that could be inhabited by what he was about to create. Darkness is over the surface of the deep. Dark refers, or deep refers here to the waters, the the dark, untamed ocean. There's a brooding sense of an insurmountable task. Right? It's like if you were to leave your kids home alone for a month and you come home to an in, uninhabitable wasteland and the cleanup is insurmountable, <laughs> to put it on a more human crass level. God, this world was... Against him almost. It's not true. It's not an evil description. It's not a negative connotation. It's just a, there's a lot of work to be done here. And yet, God's spirit was moving over the surface of the God is present in creation by his spirit. So already here at the beginning of the Bible, we have Trinitarian language. Sometimes people want to take the um, pronouns in Genesis 1. And it could be, but we don't necessarily have to do that. There's God's Spirit already. We know throughout the rest of the Scripture that God's Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. And so we have this one God who is three. Three who are distinct from each other, fully and completely, eternally God in every way. And yet there is only one God. And this triune God, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is present here creating this world from nothing by His great power. And so verse 2 ends with this pregnant, sustaining power that's about to speak and create all things. And one of the ways that we see our great thanklessness towards God is by all of our vain imaginings of alternative creation stories than this. Uh, One, I don't even want to hardly draw your attention to it because it's really gone by the wayside, but there was a theory of, let me start again. In our day, where science has ascended to the place of inerrancy. If somebody with letters after their name says something, they automatically have to be believed and to question, right, is to commit heresy in our age and to be condemned for it and to be thought stupid, to be thought from Rhinelander. (laughs) Now, I'm... I like science. We don't want to pit the Bible against science. And uh, that I even have to say that is to show how narcissistic we are. That we can't correct scientists. Or that we can't correct science. But because of unproven theories postulated by science that itch our ears, that appeal to our carnal sense of wanting to separate ourselves from God, you'll hear consistently theologians and pastors since 
late 1800s, especially in the 1900s, who want to accommodate what they understand to be proven fact, which isn't. They want to accommodate what they think are scientific truth with Scripture. And so even very well-known, well-appreciated teachers to you and I will say things like, yes, it seems like here we have this young earth, the six-day creation, but science. They, they have a truth outside of Scripture that they want to accommodate Scripture to. I think it's no wonder that our age is very thankless to God in creation. I think it's no wonder that you, I think most of you are just like me, raised in schools that never taught you that God created all things by speaking them. Never even considered the evidence geologically and scientifically and cosmology and so on that there is actually evidence that this is true. You never heard that. You only heard the opposite. Only and ever, there's no wonder that we are very thankless for this creation. We should be lit, raised, being taught with this worldview that God spoke this place into existence, and it is magnificent. It is incredible. As you th- sat through all of your science classes in middle school and high school, you could have been given this great gift of seeing this world and all of its intricate details and all of its great things through the lens of Scripture. But you were, you were, that was totally ignored, sometimes mocked. And now you look at this world and you don't even think that God made it. You want to try to fit millions and billions of years in here and so on and so forth. I think it's all a way for us Suppressing the truth so that we don't have to give thanks to God. That we can just fashion our own little lives apart from God, pat ourselves on the back of how good we are, and so on. So in between verses 1 and 2 are not billions of years, for those of you familiar with that stupid gap theory. For goodness sakes, it's silly. Right. There... It, the text leaves no room for it. In fact, the, the English here, the verse 2, if you have your Bible, the verse 2 starts with the. It doesn't start with the in the Hebrew. It either starts with now, or it starts with now. Right? In the beginning, God created the earth, now the earth. Right? The, the text is just seamlessly moving from verse 1 to verse 2. And there has been dominant in the church, mainly through dispensational, Schofield, Bible, reference kind of stuff, and, and other things like, where they want to separate verse 1 and 2, that they don't relate to each other at all, and in between there is where we fit in the gap of several millions or billions of years. It, the text does not hold it. It doesn't hold it. It doesn't hold it. God's inspired author Moses didn't write it that way. Because that's not what happened. We, we won't even get into the Big Bang. Big Bang is, it is not Christian. It is not biblical. This world didn't have a moment <laughs> out there where 
It's not here. As I said last week, this is about authority. Do we believe God's word is, is God's word or don't we? Now, we'll get into a lot more of that when we get into the days. Next week's sermon could be long. So just get ready. But you are supposed to read these verses, and it's supposed to excite wonder in you. Science doesn't conflict with Scripture. And you should be thankful for this world that God has made. You should have more wonder at creation, and you should express that wonder to God amongst others. Do you do that in your workplace? Why are you so fearful of that? Why won't you open your mouth when somebody goes, did you see the sunrise? Why don't you say, hey, isn't God credible? He's going to do it again tomorrow. Why won't you do that? Why won't you give him the glory that he is due for speaking this into existence? Why do you fear what people think so much and not give glory to the God who made it? And here we see this God who is eternal, who is infinite, incomprehensible. He is knowable. He's revealed himself in creation, in his word. He's powerful. He's wise. He's loving. And we make it all about us. We see this God who's triune, existing in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you sing that like you did this morning, and it doesn't do anything to you internally. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us when we come to this text? Well, looked at this last week, and we're going to see it week after week. Turn, turn to Romans 1. Romans 1, commenting on Genesis 1, shows us what's wrong with us. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are speaking. The heavens are declaring. Mornings with hoarfrost, negative 13, are shouting, God is glorious! Chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And here it is. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. It caught me this week when I was listening to another sermon on this by Tim Bailey. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Or who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. So why won't we live? Why don't we feel? Why don't we give God glory? Why are we so bent on ourselves? And it's not just that we're fallen. That's true. This isn't just commenting on that man has fallen here. This is commenting on our active, ongoing sin and that we want to suppress the truth because we like to fornicate. We like to suppress the truth of Genesis 1 because I really want to divorce my spouse. We want to suppress the truth because I want to continue on in my ongoing sin right now in my unrighteousness. You don't want to give God glory. You want it to be all about you because you still want to continue on in your whatever. That, that's what's going on here. 
the reason that you'll play with alternative theories of creation, even though the simplest of people can read this and see what's going on here, this is not difficult language in Genesis 1, is because of our unrighteousness, because of your sin, because of your selfishness, because you want to maintain God-like control over you. We live in a world that is created by God, created to reveal God, sustained by God. Everything you have is from God, and you want to live in your own little life, being Lord over your own little puny kingdom. You want to continue on in your sin. And so we lie about this. Now, in one sense... It really doesn't matter what you think about this text because it's true no matter what you think about it. It says what it says no matter what you think about it. God in heaven is not affected by your foolishly believing a gap theory. He's God. We're ticks. Is there anything more vile than a tick? They're gross, aren't they? It doesn't matter. If you remember in 1 Corinthians, God's foolishness is greater than our greatest wisdom. But God's wisdom is always foolishness to us. We lie, we mock it, we ignore it. In our day, we say just silly things like, well, that's just what you believe. It's so postmodern. That, that's, that's the age we live in, where truth is what you want it to be. It doesn't matter what Moses wrote. It doesn't matter what God inspired through Moses. What do you think? What do you believe? Who cares? What did Moses write? What did God's inspired prophet write? What did the author write? Don't ever say, that's what you think. If you have that kind of an argument, there's nowhere to go with it. And that's, that's our day. Well, that's what you believe. That, that's what you think. That's your opinion. <laughs> Great. Let's go get some ice cream. I don't want to talk anymore. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter. What did Moses write? The question is, do you believe this is God's word or don't you? Do you want to continue in glorifying and honoring God or live in your own little narcissistic kingdom? I don't want to be in your narcissistic kingdom. You don't want to be in mine. We want to live under God's reign, in God's world, with God's beauty, giving God the glory. And it's not about you. This truth is not about you. It is about God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not about you. It doesn't matter if you're offended by this. It isn't about you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that wonderful? Get outside of yourself. Forget about yourself. You're not important. 
You're not important in relation to how great God is. Just forget about you. Forget about your little offenses. Forget about your little disagreements. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Quit posting everything about your life on Facebook and look outside the window and sit silent for a moment about God's wonder. He is great. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It is about God. I think the problem is, the problem is, is that we, in our day, refuse to believe what 2,000 years of godly men and women have taught before us. We want to be imaginative in our day. We want to be on the cutting edge of knowledge in our day, and we refuse to submit, not only to the text, but to what the church has taught over 2,000 years. We want to be trendy. We want to be in with the cool kids. If you want to read something that will critique that, I encourage you to find John Calvin's sermon on Genesis 1, these verses. He spurns our imagination. He actually equates shallowness with people of great imagination. The very thing in our day that we laud and applaud, great imaginative minds, he equates with great shallowness. Because imaginative people always have their own answers. They'll never listen to anybody else. They will never submit to anyone else because they just, the, their own God is their own brain. They're so selfish. They're so self-absorbed. And we will not listen to church history of Genesis 1, 1 to 2 interpretation. We refuse. That's rampant in our day. That's rampant in our day. The well-worn path of Genesis 1 is, is very simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Your kids maybe understand that better than you do. Because they'll submit themselves to God's word. Will you? Do you always have to have your own answers? Do you always have to be the smartest person in your own brain? Are you so hip on being speculative and, well, maybe it means this, well, maybe it means that So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and God's spirit was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. (laughs) And give him glory for that, huh? Go out from here giving him glory. Forget about yourself. Give him glory. Let's pray. Father, help us to enjoy your glory in this world. Forgive us for not. Forgive us for being so selfish, self-centered, self-important. Forgive us for not submitting to your word, to all who have come before us. Help us to love the old paths, to 
take your word as it's written with faith and love it. God, help us to lose all self-importance and see that you are all and in all. This is all for your glory. So God, please help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, don't forget visitors. We'll have a, a cart in the back, that side underneath the TV, if you would like some more information. And then at 15, 20 minutes, we'll meet in room 125 for some lunch. The charge is this. There is great freedom in forgetting about you and demanding that others serve you and getting so irritated when things aren't going your way and just giving glory to God, thanking him for all, everything. Give thanks in everything. Thought my charge is, and spend this week, beginning a day, end a day, throughout the day, thanking God. Let's quit whining. Let's quit complaining. Let's quit grumbling. And let's give thanks to God, because in the beginning, he created all things. Now, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. Love you.